Dear listener, thank you for tuning in. It's been a long, winding path that put me behind the microphone for this transmission. It started for me in 2011, when a friend told me I should meet a guy who, for the sake of protecting his identity, I'm going to call Roy. Roy and I agreed to meet at a small coffee shop in Winnipeg. That's in Canada. He waves me over to his table. He's a middle-aged man, a big guy, wearing heavy boots and a plaid shirt. I introduced myself. He looked me up and down, and, and then like a dam breaking, he began to tell me his story. One night, while he was in bed, three or four small gray beings entered his bedroom. They were about four feet tall with large, dead black eyes. Their mouths never moved or opened. They glided in, silent and calm, as if this was routine. They approached Roy in bed and held something above his head. It was a silvery tube with a sharp point, like a metallic icicle. The sharp point slowly descended. Roy just lay there, frozen with fear as this device edged closer and closer. And then he felt the sharp point touch his head, sending a jolt of cool electricity through his body. He blacked out. The next morning, he woke up in bed, drenched with sweat. Sitting across from me, Roy took a sip of his coffee. He looked around as if to make sure no one was listening, spying. Then he pulled up a photo on his phone and showed it to me. It was a picture of his scalp. A large, bloody gash was visible under blood-soaked hair. He said this happened several times a week for nearly a year. These visitors appeared just as Roy's life started to unravel. He told me he'd hurt his neck and he had to leave his job. He was relying on disability payments to survive. His wife and adult son left him. His life was no longer recognizable to him, and it was in that moment that these unrecognizable creatures showed up. When I met Roy, I was doing research into subcultures, people who existed at the fringe of society. I didn't really believe his story, at least in the same way he did. I thought, this guy needs to see a doctor or a therapist. After this meeting, I knew I wanted to understand Roy and people like him. Believers, experiencers, people who know that aliens, poltergeists, and the things that go bump in the night exist. To be clear, I've never had an experience myself, and I'm not really a believer. I consider myself a romantic skeptic. I need evidence, but I'm open-minded enough to know we have a limited understanding of this strange existence. I started seeking out more people like Roy. My work led me to eventually become Vice's go-to weird shit journalist for a while. Then, with some other journalists, I started The Debrief a news site where we cover stuff that seems sci-fi with journalistic integrity. Roy put me on that path. Then in 2016, that path forked. I started hearing from men with legitimate government credentials who claimed they'd worked on some pretty out-there programs or seen some very weird shit. People like a medical doctor who told me he was involved in a large-scale medical study involving military personnel who had been injured by UFOs. 
I thought back to Roy's silent visitors. These were stories that chipped away at my understanding of reality and forced me to wonder, are these things real? Maybe the truth is out there. As I dug into the claims these government men were making, I started to feel like a journalist out of a B-movie. I was convinced that my email had been hacked. I, I bought a massive whiteboard. Push pins and red yarn were probably next. It was maddening. As enticing as the bits of information I was getting were, they didn't form a solid picture. There was enough to imagine, but never enough concrete evidence. If there was a smoking gun or a smoking spacecraft, it seemed like all I was going to see was the smoke. And then, less than a year later, in 2017, these videos came out. Videos of unidentified flying objects that looked like nothing from this planet. It's like, look at that thing. It's rotating. It's not our LNS though, is it? Not- they were approaching fighter pilots during military training exercises. But what were these things? My little project exploded into the headlines. UFO sightings, once a fringe theory. Today on Larry King Now, the truth about UFOs. I want to see one with the naked eye. I want to see it. For a moment, the story was everywhere. Uh, Don't worry if you missed it. It's been a busy couple of years. But since these videos were released, the US of A has gotten serious about unidentified flying objects. Today, for the first time since the 1960s, members of the House Intelligence Subcommittee and top Pentagon officials discussing the topic of UFOs. Today, the government types call these things UAP, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, and they are investigating. We are committed to a focused effort to determine their origins. Men in black shit. Where did the videos come from? What what do we know about the people that released them? Is our fundamental understanding of our place in the universe about to change? Or is something much more human happening? I can assure you, dear listener, from all my years researching weird shit, one thing has always held true. Nothing is ever what it seems. I'm MJ Benias from Something Else. This is Fringe Network, Season 1, Alien State. Transmission 1, Anima of the paranormal state. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. The best place to start is so absurd, it's almost poetic. The person who played a pivotal role in forcing us to take UFOs seriously is a celebrity who has literally made millions of dollars by not being taken seriously. Tom DeLonge. When you look at our career, the glue is probably the dick jokes because we still really like them. It takes just that much to make us feel good. Yes, Tom DeLonge, the former guitarist for the band Blink-182. The guy who streaked in the music video to their hit, What's My Age Again? And yes, 
I know some of you are like, sigh, are we starting with DeLong? Can't we just cut to Elizondo, Mellon, Bigelow, and on and on? For you, dear listener, who are into weird shit, yes, we will get there. But if we are going to gain any new insights, we have to get our facts in order. For the rest of you who have never heard those names before, well, don't worry, you belong here too. Newcomers are very welcome. But uh, might I recommend you buy yourself some pushpins, index cards, and red string? Now, unless you're a 30-ish-year-old millennial who got called a poser a lot in high school, you might not know much about Tom DeLonge. He's a platinum recording artist whose band heralded in the second wave of pop punk in the early aughts. Picture a lip ring, ear gauges, and side-swept bangs. That was Tom DeLonge. But DeLonge has a personality quirk that stood out from the moment he became famous. When we signed our first record deal, and I remember the very first check we got, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go spend like half of this right now on computer so I can start looking at UFO shit. Back then, DeLong was known to round up people to help him hunt for Bigfoot and spend hours high, staring out of the tour bus window, hoping to spot UFOs. The only two things that have ever gotten me to be in the present moment, really, is like I'm playing live or, or the unidentified aerial phenomena subject. Even on the band's classic album, Enema of the State, there's a song apparently very near and dear to Tom's heart. It's titled, Aliens Exist. Hey mom, there's something in the back room. Hope it's not that creatures from above. Then, in 2015, after years of touring and headlining festivals, Tom DeLong quit Blink-182. There were rumors that he left to focus on writing a book and to build a spaceship that he'd uncovered some major shit and was working on getting the truth out there. Online, Blink fans had a field day, saying he was going to go broke and calling him delusional. But there was one place that welcomed him with open arms. Good evening, everyone. You're in the right place at the right time. This is Coast to Coast AM, slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. Coast to Coast AM is the OG Weird Stuff Reddit board. UFO conspiracies and the like, all the news mainstream channels have historically eye-rolled at. Coast to Coast is the place to theorize, share, and debate. DeLong goes on the show in 2016. He tells listeners about a recent experience he had camping with some friends near Area 51, a secretive Air Force base in Nevada. And we were probably 100 miles from any gas station. I mean, we were off-roading for quite a while until we found a valley to camp in. To up their odds of experiencing something unexplainable, DeLong and company decide to spend the night. While gathered around the campfire, they begin to meditate. They believed through meditation they could communicate with extraterrestrial or interdimensional beings, whichever answered them first. They closed their eyes control their breathing, and project their thoughts. Nothing happens. Bummer. They all go to bed, packing into tents in the middle of nowhere, and eventually fall asleep. And then, around 3 o'clock in the morning, 
I wake up and I hear hundreds of people talking around the tent, like hundreds, like so many voices. I can't make out anything. Uh, I just, it's just, uh, it was, it was a chorus of voices. In the morning, DeLong asks his buddies if they had heard the voices too. And uh, I was like, oh my God, did you guys hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear all those voices? And uh, one guy was like, yes, I heard people talking all around our tent. So, pretty cool. But DeLong didn't go on Coast to Coast just to talk about his experience. You know how everyone starting a business tells a personal story about why they need their product? Something like, me and my good friend both showed up to work one day with band-aids on our face, and in that moment we knew the world needs better razors, that sort of thing. DeLong does the same kind of pivot. So uh, tell me this, how big a role did that experience uh, play in the ultimate decision you made about a year ago to sort of uh, change the focus? Well, y- you know, it is a major shift. So what I'm, I have a company called To The Stars, and, and what we're doing is kind of communicating large themes and ideas in, in what's called is transmedia, where you do... DeLong talks about starting a company for all things UFO, called To The Stars Academy for Arts and Sciences. I know, for a guy who's famous for writing earworms, it's not the catchiest of names. I'll just be saying to the stars from now on. So what does this company actually do? Well, it's an entertainment media company with an alien technology research division. It's big stuff. It's And some of it, it's scary stuff. And uh, it's going to hit people's belief systems pretty hard on some issues. Paradigm-shifting pronouncements are very common in UFO circles. I'd heard this before. I've gotten pretty good at just nodding and smiling these sorts of things. But, dear listener, Mr. Blink-182 was about to rock us all. Before we get to that, something even more paradigm-shifting. Great, great podcast recommendations and deals from our sponsors. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. The Clinton campaign calls this a crime reminiscent of Watergate, but worse, more than 1,900 emails released just this weekend. Ah, WikiLeaks. You remember when that was a thing? It was 2016, and the United States was in the middle of a presidential election. The emails of the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign manager got leaked. 
there was an overwhelming amount of paperwork to go through, and it created a media circus. And while all the attention was on Clinton, that's not all WikiLeaks leaked. WikiLeaks releasing the newest batch of what are believed to be campaign chairman John Podesta's hacked emails. What could this possibly have to do with Tom DeLonge, the guy who likes to get high and look for Bigfoot? Oh my God. I mean, oh my God. I was like shitting my pants. Buried in all those emails were a small handful of messages between Tom DeLonge and Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta. Turns out, for the last few years of his Blink-182 career, DeLong had been working behind the scenes, trying to make connections with highly placed government officials. So I was talking to him um, to set up conversations with the White House. DeLong believed that inside the Obama administration, people were doing the government equivalent of looking for UFOs on the tour bus. DeLong thought in reaching out to Podesta, he was contacting another believer. See, John Podesta is a huge nerd. He created an X-Files club during the Clinton administration. Want to know the theme of his 50th birthday party? Yeah, you do. It was X-Files. He dressed up as Fox Mulder. So maybe DeLong thought Podesta would be interested in getting the truth out there. Here's an excerpt from an email that DeLong sent to Podesta. The subject line is important things. Apparently, he'd moved on from all the small things. Here's my editor, Grant, doing the reading. Hey, John, Tom DeLong here. I would like to bring two very important people out to meet you in D.C. I think you'll find them very interesting. They were principal leadership relating to our sensitive topic. I just need two hours from you just looking to have a casual and private conversation. Whether Podesta ever responded to DeLong or even read the emails, we don't know. DeLong's not telling. Nobody was happy about <laughs> that. That's what I'll say. I felt like the, the burden of all the changing the world was on my shoulders, you know, even though it might seem laughable to people because they're like, what, spaceships? And here's this, you know, dumb rock star kid, you know, or something. But DeLong wasn't deterred. He says he was making connections with serious federal government people. Once I got a couple people, I was able to get a lot more. And I just took meetings after meetings after meetings. And the more he schmoozed, the more he knew he was doing crucial work. But if you guys knew, you know, what I know about this subject and the enormity of what was happening in those moments and getting those calls together and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, oh my God. DeLong seems to have learned something on those calls that he felt the public needed to know. Something he thought would make us all go OMG. So how do you get the public ready for information that's going to change reality as we know it? So you're obsessed with UFOs, right? Is that safe to say? You go on the Joe Rogan experience. Rogan and DeLong are sitting across from one another at a large table in Rogan's podcast studio. There's a salt lamp on the table, a mural of the American flag behind Rogan. DeLong no longer has the lip ring. Before long, DeLong starts talking about Roswell and other UFO-related events, how he believes it's all been staged and that a mysterious they is behind it. I'm someone who's used to hearing stories like this, but I gotta say, DeLong isn't making a ton of sense. 
And they also time travel. When you use the technology, you have a there's a time uh, difference between where what they're doing inside of an artificially created bubble of gravity of sorts, and then what's on the outside. So if you're on the inside of one of those machines, everything would be skewed more black and white. There would be like a redshift, and everybody would look frozen. So you literally could fly around and grab a Coke out of someone's hand and put it in someone else's hand. What DeLong is saying is actually based on a real theory, but the way he describes it makes it sound like he's on acid. The camera cuts quickly back to Rogan, who's furrowing his brow. Where are you getting this from? Well, take a wild guess. (laughs) Look at the people I'm surrounded by, you know. He's referring to the government guys he's been schmoozing with, uh, but in the video, he's not projecting confidence. DeLong squirms in his seat. Rogan is stealing dubious glances at his producer behind the camera. Joe Rogan is asking, is this guy for real? How often into a conversation do people look at you and think you are fucking crazy when you start talking about this? And how oh, long all the it, time, yeah. All the time, right? But do you ever get to the point where you're like, I don't want to talk about this? No, because I'm involved on the most important shit I've ever been in my life. So like, you think this is like the most important thing that you've ever done in your oh, life? Oh, fuck yeah. Like, I, I have meetings with senators coming up. Like, Do you? Oh, fuck yeah, What I senators? I can't tell you. Damn, it was all this I can't tell you stuff. I know, because so, this is some fucking tricky when is, shit. When is all this going to come out? Like, it seems like this is like eminent, rather disgusting closure type shit. Watch right? what my company does. That's what I'll say. It's just so awkward to watch. It It actually makes my palms sweaty. So if you were keeping a close eye on Tom DeLong from 2015 to 2017, here's what you would have seen. Tom DeLong quitting Blink-182 and then starting a company that has something to do with UFOs? DeLong's leaked emails asking high-up White House officials to meet with him and a press tour about UFOs. And then weeks after he tells Joe Rogan... Watch what my company does. His company releases a video. No, it's not a music video for a forthcoming album. It's a video even more important than Tom DeLonge's streaking. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the SA. My gosh. DeLonge had learned something that almost no one outside the government knew. There were reports of unexplainable phenomena in U.S. military airspace. And what's more, he'd even gotten copies of a video showing two fighter pilots coming into contact with something flying that they couldn't comprehend. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. In this dark, grainy footage shot in 2015 off the coast of Florida, we see this smooth, oval-shaped object. There's a That seems to rotate mid-flight without slowing down. The object looks like it is performing in ways that seem impossible. (laughs) DeLong's company, To The Stars, played a big role in releasing the videos in 2017 to the New York Times. Once it was out in the world, the U.S. government basically said... Well, we aren't saying this is real, but we aren't saying it's fake either. And not long after these videos were released, the dam broke. We, the public, learned this was not the only sighting. Far from it. I felt the the vulnerability of not having anything to defend ourselves. If this was, in fact, a hostile threat. This is Alex Dietrich on 60 Minutes. 
In the years since Tom DeLonge and To The Stars released their video, fighter pilots, members of the armed services, have been coming forward with stories of their experiences. The Navy finally confirmed the video was theirs in 2020, and that the objects were unidentified. Dietrich made her 60 Minutes appearance in 2021. She was one of the first U.S. female strike fighter pilots and spent over a decade in the Navy. Now she's wearing a red blazer, jeans and tennis shoes, and sitting across from a reporter. I never wanted to be on national TV. (laughs) No offense. And yet here she was, talking about something that made it sound like CBS ran out of story ideas. No predictable movement, no predictable trajectory. It didn't have any visible signs of propulsion. There were no propellers or jets, and it was accelerating at unbelievable speeds, ones that would rip a human apart. Dietrich tried to make sense of what she saw, but this object wasn't behaving like a helicopter or drone. It was something else. Her wingman, David Fravor, saw it too. He described it as a smooth, white, tic-tac-like looking object. The tic-tac seemed to either be testing or playing with Fravor. Imagine a game of tag, thousands of feet in the sky with an unidentified flying object. Here's Fravor. It goes, and just turns abruptly and starts mirroring me. Fravor tried to get a closer look at it, but it's like he was chasing a shadow. It just disappears. Gone. I don't know who's building it. Who's got the technology, who's got the brains, but there's, there's something out there that was better than our airplane. Dietrich and Fravor felt like people had to know, so they reported it. Soon after, things changed for the pilots. They tell 60 Minutes that their crewmates made fun of them. They made cartoons, and on the ship's TV, they played Men in Black and Independence Day and Signs. Signs. Yeah, it was all a big laugh. But it seems like what they didn't know at the time was that this was happening in U.S. air turf again and again and again, year after year in different places. Members of the armed forces were seeing objects outflying their jets, outperforming the most advanced military power in the world. These service members wanted this shit to be investigated. But it took... Tom, Mr. Blink-182 DeLong, to get us to stop laughing. I mean, for, for a guy like me that plays guitar for a living, I was like, what the fuck have I done? What the fuck had he done indeed? That's after a word from our sponsors. You know, in the past, we used to say UFO researcher. <laughs> Tom's kind of crazy. This is Rockfeed, a music news YouTube channel. Like most of the world, the rock music scene didn't know how to react to Tom DeLonge and his UFO shit. Well, they did. It involved some combination of laughter, eye-rolling, scoffing, and head-shaking. I mean, imagine if Post Malone turned around tomorrow and said he was giving up music to search for the Loch Ness Monster. What would you do? But once the fighter pilot videos dropped people started changing their tune. Tom DeLonge may end up becoming more well-known for his work on UFO research than he did for his time in Blink-182. How did this happen? How did DeLonge pull it off? And 
What exactly had he pulled off? Well, he really had met with people who were highly credentialed in the government. He really had won some of them over, like this guy. I was a career CIA officer. I was in the clandestine service uh, for 25 years. Jim Semivan is in his late 50s. Even over Zoom, he has a warm smile. Semivan helped co-found to the stars in 2017. Yeah, this multi-decade CIA officer traded in his badge with the feds to start a UFO company with Tom DeLong. My musical taste ended in 1973, maybe. So when uh, somebody mentioned Tom DeLong, Blink-182, um, I no idea. So he wasn't a Blink fan. And yet, DeLong was able to convince Semivan, this former spy, of something he couldn't seem to convince Joe Rogan of. And that's that he should be taken seriously. I spoke to Semivan last year and asked him about his work for the CIA. So in really simple terms, your job was to find people who knew things and then get that information back to your superiors, in a sense. Yeah. Sometimes there's some manipulation involved. Um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get to talk to them and, you know, they're a tennis player. So you might go up and say, gee, I love tennis. Maybe you don't love tennis, but it gets you to get you to talking. But once the relationship is developed, it's a very open, honest relationship. Open and honest. Not the first words I associate with a CIA spy, but Semivan just kept saying things I wouldn't expect. I had a lifelong interest in esoterica and the occult. Uh, I've been studying it for the last 40 plus years. Oh. I found dozens of people that I worked with who had a fascination with this topic area. Yep. The intelligence gathering community's backbone of the good old stars and stripes, according to Semivan, is filled with people looking for flying saucers which might make you think they're all busy playing tennis with tentacle creatures at Area 51, which we can't confirm or deny. But what we can confirm is that one of Semivan's buddies recommended a sci-fi book. It was called Secret Machines, Chasing Shadows, and they said, I think you should read it. So I did. I picked up the book and I read it. A Shakespeare professor had co-authored a thriller about a world where the government has known for decades about alien tech and even replicated it. The other author? A Mr. Tom DeLong. To most, it probably seemed like a fun book to crack open, hit a vape pen, and have a good time. But for Semivan, it set off alarm bells. Uh, how the hell did Tom know this? And Tom at the time had some advisors he was telling other people he had these advisors. And so uh, a few of us thought there might have been a security leak. Semivan says he flew out west to suss DeLong out. Who was telling top government secrets to this punk? After about an hour, I realized nobody's leaked anything to Tom. After just an hour, he dropped any suspicion there was a leak. And he had a new assessment. Tom was, was an extraordinarily bright guy. I mean, he put two and two together and has a very, very vivid imagination, and he actually came, <laughs> came up with some right answers on his own. Uh, now, what those are, I, I won't say. It seems all of DeLong's diligent studying, hours spent listening to Coast to Coast, led him close enough to the truth that he put some of the puzzle together. This is according to a lifelong certified CIA man. Shortly after they first met, 
Semivan says DeLong hosted a small meeting over lunch in San Diego. With him and other people DeLong had schmoozed with and impressed. At the meeting, DeLong discussed starting an entertainment company that would help the public take the topic of alien technology seriously. So we need a research side to this and, and what have you. And Tom said, done. And so we all shook hands. That day, according to Semivan, To the Stars Academy was founded, and they went to work on getting the truth out there. They knew they needed something explosive, something to restart the whole conversation, something people could see with their own eyes. They are sightings that have alarmed and mystified unidentified flying objects. It was a huge revelation. Are UFOs real? There's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. What most people didn't know was that that was just the beginning. What a story, right? I mean, the underdog rock star and his crew at To The Stars changed the world. In the years since, lawmakers passed a bill to investigate UAP. They created a federal office to oversee reports. In May of 2022, there was a public congressional hearing. Protocols are now in place. Now, Navy and Air Force crews have step-by-step procedures for reporting on UAPs right in their cockpit. It's just incredible. Since 2017, since the story came out from the New York Times, so much has happened, so much has changed, and yet so many questions have remained unanswered. Dear listener, To me, it feels like I've never stepped out of that B-movie. This story has just felt a little too convenient, a little too cinematic. Some brave men stepped out from the shadows with a promotional video. What if I told you I found a group of like-minded people who held senior positions in the U.S. government, from the CIA to the Department... But To the Stars is not alone in investigating the mysteries of the universe. You guys don't mind going in the bathroom real quick? Go ahead. No, no, I mean all of us so we can strip down, make sure there's no covert mics or audio video recording devices or anything like that. And if the government has been studying them for so long, what do they know? There are UFO and paranormal investigators out there that would sell their mothers to go to Skinwalker Ranch. Who are the people involved? And what does this mean? Is the truth finally getting out there? I mean, the whole thing is just... Since these videos have been released, cash from the feds and the private sector has poured into this weird shit. So I'm heading into the fog, and I'm inviting you, dear listener, to head in with me. You deserve to know how weird this weird shit really gets. That's what I intend to do with these transmissions. Get a corkboard and some yarn, and... Say a prayer to prepare yourself... The world as you know it may not be the same by the time we are done. Next on Alien State, how did top-secret classified military videos wind up in the hands of Tom DeLonge? I know a hell of a lot um, that I shouldn't know. Alien State is hosted by me, MJ Benias. It's reported by me and Casey Georgie. Produced by Casey Georgie. 
Our associate producer is Stephanie Aguilar. Written by Grant Irving, Casey Georgie, and myself. Editing by Lizzie Jacobs and Megan Dietrich. Fact-checking by Matt Giles. Our production coordinator is Lily Hambly. Music by Nolan Schneider. Sound design by Grant Irving and Sam Baer. Engineered by Sam Baer. Our executive producers are Grant Irving, Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, and Anthony Lapp. Special thanks to Pallavi Kotamasu, Steve Ackerman, Charlie Adore, and Danielle Jones-Wesley. Thanks to our legal team, Nimra Azmi and Allison Shari, for Davis Wright Tremaine. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 